0: Hello, friends. My name is Ryan Nixon, and this is my beautiful bride, Callie. And I have the privilege of serving on our staff here at Watermark with our re-engaged team. Uh, But more important than that, it is a blessing for me to have been married to my wife for nine years now. And then we've got uh, a team that we get to be a part of. We've got two girls, ages five and three. It's Davy Kate and Evie Lee, and then a new little boy, six months, little Ryan, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, there's Halloween this year.
1: So healthy to look at pictures of your children when you're not actually with them, isn't it? You kind of go, oh, I do like this, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're privileged to share with you tonight just, just really a part of our story and how God's made us uh, really grow more in our love for Him and for each other. Um, this specific part of our journey, I want to tell you all, Tonight happens to just deal more with Ryan's struggle, but I feel really passionate about saying it up front tonight that we could have 17.5 talks about me and my sin struggles. And so um, we're, I'm excited that this is a part that God's going to share with us tonight, but it's not just ever about him or ever about me. It's about two people working mm-hmm. together in a marriage.
0: 17.5 talks. Point 0.5. All right. Um, And guys, for me, a good portion of my life, I tried really hard to portray to others a version of me that I wanted them to see, feeling like I needed to protect my reputation. I made sure that people knew about the good things that were going on in my life, and I tried really hard to hide my mistakes, poor choices, and my addictions from others. I was prideful and judgmental, in many ways thinking I was better than other people because I didn't have the same problems that they had. Well, all along, I had a number of destructive secret habits in my own life. Psalm 32, three through four says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. This verse describes a good portion of my life as I battled with the sin of lust, pornography, and masturbation. For so many years, feeling the pressure of unconfessed sin that manifested itself in guilt and shame and not being able to experience the fullness of joy that God desires for me in life and also in marriage.
1: You know, as you come here tonight, your struggle invariably might be different. Um, but the beauty of the gospel, as it says in James, is that we all stumble in many ways. And also... I just really feel passionate. Part of the history of my story is also struggling with lust. And so this isn't a gender-specific thing anymore, especially the age that we live in. And um, ladies, the struggle with pornography, what we put our eyes before, the books that we read, and the things we open up our mind to, to wish that we had that instead of something else. This is all real for all of us tonight, but replace lust and pornography if you need to with any other sin that might be keeping you in bondage pride greed anger people pleasing and we just pray that you're encouraged to break down the walls of whatever's keeping you in bondage tonight just as god helps us share our story Mm
0: -hmm. so i trusted christ at 11 years old at a christian sports camp but I did not have any form of accountability or discipleship for the next decade. Therefore, I had a skewed view of God's mercy and grace and did not know what it looked like to fight well against sin and to walk with Jesus. A few years after trusting Christ, I was introduced to pornography through some friends and quickly became addicted to the sin of lust and masturbation. This was a sin struggle that I was consumed with throughout high school and into college. There was an immense amount of shame and guilt that came with this sin, which led me to compartmentalize my life. Outwardly, I was this good Christian guy, but inwardly, I was experiencing death and destruction because of this sin. I spent many nights, many nights in heartfelt prayers, pleading with God for forgiveness and asking him to take this away, promising that if he did, I'd I'd never do it again. This cycle continued until I was about a senior in college. That year is when I first started to experience some form of accountability through a small group of guys. This was the first time for me to um, experience others openly share their struggles with sin, especially in the area of lust and pornography. It was really freeing for me to realize that I wasn't alone in my struggle and failures to this temptation. But accountability for us was still very vague in its confession, even though it was very honest compared to not sharing anything at all. I found myself sharing as much as I needed to to feel good about confessing to others. Normally this would look like, guys, please pray for me. I've been really struggling this past week and I also messed up. Over the next decade, this is what accountability and confession looked like to me. A very vague confession that just shared enough to appease the group and make me feel good about doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. This continued into marriage, which brought even more guilt and shame. Here, I was married to my beautiful wife. I had been a Christian for 16 plus years. I was at that time in full-time ministry and was still giving in to this temptation on a regular basis. What I didn't realize is that the main reason I was not experiencing victory in this area was because I was not trusting in the path towards healing that God offers, which is confession and repentance. Instead, I was trying to manage my addiction. This was mainly because of pride. I worshipped my own reputation. I feared what other people thought about me. There were even a number of times in our marriage which I caused my wife um, a lot of pain because of my choices. Not mainly because of lust and pornography, but more so because of my half-hearted confessions to her, which in reality... Was me lying and just being deceptive?
1: Um, When Ryan first confided in me about his past and current struggles with lust and pornography, it was two weeks before we got married. And I just cried because I um, grew up just very sheltered and very naive and kind of thought like, well, good Christian boys don't struggle with that. you know. And uh, quickly found out that that was incredibly wrong. And it just pains my heart now because I literally sat down and asked myself the question like, is this a deal breaker for me? Like, do I, do I want to move forward with this? And now I just look at that. I'm like, here's a man coming honestly and straightforwardly with his struggles and confessing. And I like literally considered sending him packing. So great way, Cal, to start building a home that would be a safe place for failure. You know, Um, we talk about that a lot in our household, that we want to be a safe place to fail for our kids and for each other. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that very well. Especially because I myself, like I said, had spent over 10 years in bondage to my own sin struggles of lust. And I'd only recently experienced complete freedom through biblical confession myself. So, at the beginning of our marriage, I kind of put Ryan just like teeny little bit on a bit of a spiritual pedestal. I kind of thought he was just, we called him my spiritual unicorn. We thought he was just like, oh, you know. Um, don't do that. And... Um, then I, I thought he'd never be able to keep anything from me. And then I kind of noticed like lingering looks or second glances or like, you know, that kind of quick guilty look that we can give our, each other when we're doing something wrong. And if I addressed it, he'd, he'd get super awkward. and it Super was a, awkward. Super <laughs> awkward. And it was a difficult conversation to move through. He struggled to talk humbly and freely about his struggle, which who doesn't? But then when he confessed, there always seemed to be more kind of lying underneath the surface mm-hmm. of the confession than what he was telling me. And oftentimes maybe like two to three layers more. And it would take us several hours, if not several days, to really get to the bottom of the full story. And so as as Ryan said, much more so than the actual sin of pornography. It was the distrust that, that broke my heart. Just the the half-truths and the lies. And also crashing down, him coming crashing down off that pedestal that I'd put him on, kind of broke my trust in him but also my like some of my real dependence on the Lord um, I felt alone and then as as we daughters of Eve often do I ran straight to what I knew would work which is control and um, I tried to make his sin my responsibility and to try and find ways to make sure that this would never happen again so I was real into what software we got on this computer and should we take away your iPhone and should I read every single text message that's ever been texted to you and Um, in my mind, we weren't in good community at that point in time. And so I was like, well, if no one else is going to fight for his righteousness, I sure as heck am, but you have to be really careful with that because, um, it was not, it's not wise for me to be his keeper and it's not going to work for me to try and control Mm
0: -hmm. his behavior.
1: That's not how God designed it. Um, it took a while for me To learn that me acting in that way was only going to bring more hurt and pain to our marriage. Um, There were other ramifications too. Kind of some blows to my self-confidence. And um, though I'm usually characterized by kind of a sense of peace in who I am. I definitely have always struggled with my body image and my weight. And I thought that um, just that lie of like, man, if I were just skinnier. Like if I were just, if I just looked like her. Then he would never have a need to go and look somewhere else, but um, again, that was another lie that wasn't true. And Second Corinthians ten five, um, we demolish every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It was a big verse for me that just blessed me during that time. Um, and ultimately, I just needed to remember that my worth and my identity were not in my husband, and were not in his sin struggle or mine, but that my worth was in the Lord, and that was at times just a daily battle
0: for me during that season. So this cycle for us continued um, to a little over five years ago when I was tired of trying to keep up with the deception and also worn out with sin's effects on me and unconfessed sin. So I finally came clean and confessed to my wife and the couples in our small group here at church. Um, There was still a lot of guilt and fear and shame with telling other people what was going on in my life but I confessed fully to my poor decisions and what had really been happening over the past few years. And, they, and then I humbly asked for their forgiveness, not just for my poor choices, but more so and even mainly for lying and deceiving them in the midst of their accountability to me. And then they met me with grace. They met me with compassion and forgiveness. And they also loved me with truth. And what are some needed next steps for me to take? And for me, needed next steps... Uh, were two things. There was boundaries to help me fight against this and find a a season of sobriety and also recovery to get to the heart of the sin struggle. And so boundaries for me were not having access to internet at home, getting rid of my smartphone, um, communicating um, everything to my boss and IT department, um, which was at my new place of work, which is here at Watermark. Um, And I still remember when I went and got a flip phone at, like, one of those entertain marts, one of those, like, cheap electronic stores, and it took me 15 minutes to finally text message, you know, my accountability group. I got a new phone, just, you had to, like, go two, 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 three, three, and so anyways. But it's worth it. And recovery for me came through Regeneration, which is a recovery ministry here at Watermark. Through my time at Region, I was able to more fully understand God's grace, my identity in Christ, my inability to find victory apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, and my need for biblical community, which was a part of confession and repentance and accountability. God used the men in Region and also in my community group to help me learn how to fight well, to depend on Christ, and also confess authentically and specifically. And since that time, I've continued to experience more and more freedom. From the temptations of lust and pornography. And by God's grace, this is not an addiction that defines me anymore. But a temptation that I struggle and fight well against.
1: Once we both realized that perfection and you know, never stumbling again were not the goals. But that it was fellowship and true confession. Um, things really began to change. And this practice of biblical confession has really benefited our whole family. Myself, maybe the most. And the reality is, I could not be more proud of the man that I sit by. I mean, he pursues and runs after righteousness like few men that I know and I'm thankful to get to love him and really it's not that he's just a super neat guy I mean he 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 is thanks for but um I see him daily making an effort to pursue Hebrews 4.16, which is to approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then really God just turned that around 180 on me to, to show me some areas in my life where I had struggled with some unbelief in accepting God's forgiveness for my own sins. And so when I had to come and confess to him in some really big and embarrassing ways, his grace with me in my life, literally got to be a mirror for me of like, not only does he forgive you, but the Lord forgives you and he loves you and he doesn't remember your sin anymore. So go and stop sinning and change. You know, that's an incredible gift to get to do with your spouse and the way that God designed marriage to make us more holy.
0: Mm -hmm. So what we want to do for the next few minutes uh, is just talk through five questions. Like, what are some practical things that we can, we can go from here with? And these five questions are, why do we confess sin? What does biblical confession look like? You know, how do we confess to one another? What's the role of the offended party? Um, and what are some next steps for us? Again, your struggle with sin might not be lust or pornography or pride and self-protection, but it's something so just take a few seconds and think about what is that area in life that is leading you away from Christ and oneness and marriage that is keeping you from experiencing the life that God desires for you. And so we're going to talk through, you know, what's your role? What's our role with those things? So the first question is, why do we confess sin? Because sin separates us from God and others. Whenever we choose to sin, we are telling God, we're telling others that we believe that God is not good enough and that we can experience life and joy and pleasure apart from Him. So this causes us not to experience a right relationship with Him. And just like with other people, when we wrong someone else, it causes us to not experience a right relationship with someone else, especially our spouse. Unconfessed sin keeps us in bondage to it when we don't confess sin, it keep us, keeps us enslaved to those choices through guilt and shame. And then confession is that first step towards healing, towards freedom. It's not the only step, it's that first step. Um, confession is agreement with the wrong that we've committed, but repentance is turning towards God. And then Proverbs twenty eight thirteen it says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes or repents of them We'll obtain mercy.
1: The second question is, what does biblical confession look like? One, first we confess to God. Um, that's where we experience forgiveness. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nothing's hidden from him anyway. Um, we think about how our kids love, I love it when my kids run to me and confess something unprompted. That's a blessing to me, and I know it is for the Lord as well. The second one is confess to a trusted believer. To experience healing, we have to reveal those yucky parts of our hearts. Um, The thing with this that I've learned as I've allowed my life to be ruled more by biblical community is you can't expect the response to that confession to always be perfect. You know, we're not always going to get the exact response that we want or need when we're opening up our hearts to someone, and that's hard, but that doesn't mean you stop confessing. You keep confessing as you all teach each other how to receive and encourage each other in the midst of biblical confession. And then the third one is you confess to the one we've wronged. Um, You seek forgiveness, reconciliation, and unity. There's a verse in Matthew that talks about God cares a lot about this. He says, if you go to worship the Lord and you find something against your brother, leave your offering. Go and reconcile with your brother and then come back and worship me. So, God cares a lot about this, and it can hurt our relationship with Him mm-hmm. if we don't pursue this. Yeah.
0: The third one is how are we to confess to one another? Because I had I, I spent a decade not really confessing sin the way God desires us to. So, we want to do it quickly, humbly, authentically, specifically. And then go ask for forgiveness. And there's some verses there as well. And so with quickly, we want to keep short accounts. Like, don't allow sin to linger in the dark. Walk in the light. We want to do it humbly. Humility comes when we don't just acknowledge that what we did was wrong and just have an attitude of, hey, yeah, I did that. Get over it. Um, but that we're, like, we're really saddened and broken because of what we did or said. Understanding how we've hurt the heart of God or how our choices have hurt someone else, especially our spouse. We want to be authentic in our confession, being fully honest, not hedging, not managing information, but just saying, hey, this is honestly what I've done. And we want to be specific, not graphic, but specific. So, an example of what I used to say is or a lot of times people say, hey, um, I've really been struggling this past week with blank. Um, when really, whenever someone probably says that, it means they've been giving themselves over to that sin. But what we'd rather say, what's, what's more specific is, hey, earlier this week on Monday night, I did a Google image search and was looking at some inappropriate images. And I want to ask your forgiveness. We want to be specific. And we always want to be willing to share as much as the offended party or the victim or accountability partner wants to know. But you don't want to share to their own detriment. And Callie's yeah, going to share a little bit Just a
1: word of caution on that. I think we... Um, Whether it's the man or the woman, we can be a little masochistic on... Just lay it on me. I mean, what else? Like how many, how long, how many, who was it? And there are some questions for whatever sin struggle that don't necessarily need to be asked Mm -hmm. because they're not beneficial. That's different for every couple. But Ryan did a great job at at responding when I would get like that to say, hey, I'm willing to share that with you. Will you go and ask your girls first if you think that's appropriate for me to share? And probably nine times out of ten, I came back and it was not appropriate.
0: And then ask forgiveness. Don't just say I'm sorry, but specifically ask forgiveness um, for what you did. Say, honey, will you forgive me uh, for looking at those inappropriate images on my computer on Monday night? Um, and so we're, we're asking them to forgive us of the debt that we owe them.
1: If we, we have a funny thing in our house where if, if you just say you're sorry, and we've both done it in arguments, and there, there's like a pregnant pause, and typically the response that's given back is, you are sorry. You are sorry. You Is there anything else you'd like to say? Because just saying I'm sorry doesn't extend your heart and open it up for somebody Mm. to offer that forgiveness to you. You're just admitting that you are indeed sorry.
0: All right, number four, what's the role of the offended party?
1: Number one is to create a safe place. Um, We want to listen wholeheartedly to their confession. We want to listen from a place of humility uh, we all stumble in many ways, again, like I said earlier. And then it's just important to thank them for sharing because it mm. takes courage to confess stuff like that. Number two is to extend grace and forgiveness. Um, in the midst of the hurt, we want to seek to be gracious. And just remember Christ's grace that was extended to us. And um, even if we don't want to, um, we get to remember how the Lord forgave us that forgiveness is oftentimes not about an emotional feeling. It's a choice of obedience. It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily choice because in Matthew, it says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've seen, okay, if I'm going to place my treasure here, eventually God's going to bring my heart around to follow, even if it's not there right at the beginning. Um, This doesn't mean after you've extended that forgiveness that you can't, Talk through the hurt. We've had times where I say, I'm sorry, We forgive me really fast? And there's still a little bit of hurt that needs to be processed, and I think that's okay. Um, it also doesn't mean you can use it as a weapon at a later date. We all know the remember that time and when you did this. Um, because the third thing, number three, is that we are on the same team against the sin. Our spouse is not the enemy. There is a real enemy, and it's Satan. It's not your spouse. Um, We get to be on a team as we work towards oneness. And there's a difference that we think between um, offering forgiveness and then experiencing reconciliation and rebuilding. So it's Mm -hmm. okay to know that trust is like a wall. Once it's broken down bricks and mortar, it takes time and effort to build it back up again. And Mm -hmm. so you don't have to, um, enable them. The offended party doesn't have to just go, I forgive you. You don't have to make any changes in your life. That's not loving them well, but it does mean that you have grace throughout that season Mm -hmm. of rebuilding that wall back up again.
0: Yeah. All right, so we know there's been a lot. There's kind of one more we're just going to walk through, um, but just know that your journey here at Reengage, you're going to get to walk through all of these points right here. So continue coming and just, what are some next steps for us? And I didn't even put this on here, and I thought about it, and as I was listening to those songs during worship, the first step, like if, and it's really always our first step, is to trust in the truth of the gospel. No matter where you are, if if you are a non-believer and you've walked in here and there is sin that is wrecking your life and wrecking your marriage, um, it's to trust in the truth of the gospel. If you're a believer and that's there, it's to trust in the truth of the gospel and go back to that basics that um, God loves you. He knows everything about you and he still sent his son to die for you, to live the perfect life that you could not live, to die on the cross and pay the price that you deserve. And he rose from the grave conquering death. And so wherever we are, our first step is to come back humbly, kneel at the foot of the cross, and and just ask for forgiveness from Him. He is the author of life. He is the author of healing. And so run to Jesus. And then from there, we we confess, begin walking the light. Some of y'all have unconfessed sin in this room. And so trust that God is big enough to handle um, in it and confess it. Um, You don't need uh, to feel like, uh, if you don't feel like you're able to do that with y'all's group yet, you know, grab your group leader. You know, find them later on this week, give them a call and share with them. Also, sin is a big deal. You know, whether it's pornography or whatever it is, even if a spouse can sense of what's going on, sin is a big deal. However big or small you think it is, because it, it damages your relationship with God, with yourself, with others. And it's not until we begin to experience freedom from that sin that we get to experience the life that God wants for us. Number two, Repent. It's not just acknowledging and confessing our sin, but it's turning back to God and walking with Him. And then cut off access. You know, close the doors that are leading you away from Christ and oneness and marriage. Like, putting boundaries in place are good. We don't find hope in those boundaries, but those boundaries for me were like speed bumps in the midst of temptation that would help me not focus so much of trying to fight this temptation of pornography, this addiction to pornography, so I could experience healing with Jesus And so I put those boundaries in place. And all of us need to ask ourselves, if we're unwilling to give up something, we probably aren't really wanting to fight this sin. If it's say, hey, I can't give up my phone, I can't give up this, we should be willing to give up everything to fight vigilantly against sin. And Matthew, write down Matthew 5, 27 through 29. And then also be proactive. Like, and cutting off access. Like, my wife, she's going to be gone this weekend for four days. And I've already reached out to the guys in my community group and said, hey, she's going to be gone. Let's talk on Friday morning when we meet as guys about a plan for me to fight well. And then, maybe for some of y'all, it's finding a season of recovery. You know, you get to experience that here in reengage, but also in regen it would maybe be a great next step to have a focused season on recovery for you. You
1: know, in closing, I just, I would not trade one minute of our journey that we've gotten to have together and, um, especially the rough parts. And I know that Ryan and I want to be people who aren't perfect, um, but we're serving a perfect Lord together. And I think about, um, just thinking and knowing where some of us are in this room tonight, there's a verse in Proverbs 418 that says, but the path of righteous is like the first light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full light of day. And I don't know. You may not see it yet. It may feel very, very dark. Um, but trust and have hope that the sun can and will come and it can rain again on your marriage. And um, that's the God we serve, y'all. There's, there's nothing outside of his mm-hmm. span of love and influence over your life. So prayerfully, a little bit of our story has, has shown you that. But thank you for letting us come up and share. And we pray over the rest of your evening.
0: We love you guys.